Yo, 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 what's up everybody? Welcome back to Nabi Podcast. I'm your host, Sani Nabi. Uh, we are back with another video. This one regarding UFC 275, Teixeira versus Prohashka. This is going to be the breakdown and uh, prediction episode. This episode, I'm just going to be breaking down the uh, main three fights on the main card. But real quick, I am going to read off the whole card just so you guys know what's going down. So again, this is UFC 275. It's taking place in Singapore. Um, but it's still going to be taking place at 10 o'clock at night. So uh, UFC and Dana was like, fuck them. <laughs> All the people over there that's about to be watching at like, I don't even know, 2 in the morning, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Something crazy. So in the early prelims to get everything going is going to be a woman's featherweight bout between Ramona Pascal, who is 6-3, taking on Jocelyn Edwards, who is 10-4. Followed by a woman's strawweight bout between Li Yang Na, who is 19 and 5, taking on uh, Silvana Gomez Juarez, who is 10 and 4. And then the featured uh, early prelim bout is a bantamweight fight between Kang Kyang Ho, who is 17 and 9 uh, and 0 with a 1 no contest, uh, taking on Dana Bat Bajiro. Dana Bajiro. Although it has been a minute since I've been doing these episodes, one thing that will not change is me mispronouncing names of fighters I have not seen yet. <laughs> but yeah, Dana uh, Becherro, who is 12 and 3. So going into the regular prelims, the first fight is a welterweight bout between Andre Fialho, who is 16 and 4 uh, with one no contest, taking on Jake Matthews, who is 17 and 5. Uh, Fialho, he's he's coming off a quick turnaround. He just does some... Um, nasty work on the dude he fought last and knocked him dead so quick turnaround that should be a good fight but after that fight it's a lightweight bout between Haya Sair Mahashati I believe I believe I've seen this kid fight before maybe not but yeah Hayashir Mahasati who is 6-1 taking on Steve Garcia who is 12-4 after that's a featherweight bout between Choi Seung uh, Woo, who is 10 and 4, taking on Joshua uh, Kuli Bao. I, I, I don't know. Who is 9, 1, and 1. And the featured uh, prelim bout is a middleweight fight between Brendan Allen, who is 18 and 5, taking on Jacob Malikun, who is 6 and 1. And on the main card, the first fight to get everything going is a welterweight bout between Jack Della Mand Jack Della Madalena, who is 11 and 2, taking on Ramazin Amiv, who is 20 and 5. After that is a flyweight bout between Rogerio Bontorin, who is 16-4 and four, uh, with two no contests, taking on Manel Cape, who is 17-6. and six. After that, it is a big women's strawweight fight between Weili Zhang, who is 21-3, taking on Joanna Jedrichik, who is 16-4. And, and for the co-main event of the night, it is a women's flyweight championship bout between Valentina Shevchenko, the champion, uh, who is 22 and 3 taking on the challenger talia santos who is 19 and 1 and in the main event it is a light heavyweight championship bout between our hometown zone and light heavyweight champion glover Teixeira taking on the number one contender jerry prohaska uh glover is 33 and 7 sorry and uh jerry is 28 and 3 and 1 one draw 
But alrighty, so with uh, you know such a banger of a card, I'm just going to break down the top three fights. Like I said earlier, um, starting with the women's strawweight bout between uh, you know the rematch between Joanna Jedrzejczyk and Weili Zhang. So as I usually do, we go into their last three fights, starting with Weili Zhang. Uh, her last fight was against Rose Namajunas, uh, which she lost by split decision in uh, November of 2021, and that was their rematch for the uh, strawweight title. Before that was against Rose Namajunas uh, the first time, which she lost also by head kick uh, in round one in April 2021, and that's when she lost the title. And then before that, she fought Joanna Jedrzejczyk uh, this, the first time, and uh, she won that fight by split decision in March 2020, and I believe that fight got fight of the year. As for Joanna Jedrzejczyk, her last fight was against Wei Li. Um, she lost that by split decision, as I just said, and that was in March 2020. Uh, before that, she fought Michelle Watterson, which she won by unanimous decision, and that was in October 2019. And before that, she fought Valentina Shevchenko for the uh, flyweight title. Uh, she moved up to flyweight for that. And uh, she lost by unanimous decision in December 2018. But um, yeah, so in that first fight, uh, which was a five-round title fight, uh, you know, we saw the then-champion Whaley defend the title and defeat Joanna in a battle for the ages uh, and for the history books and what I think was the greatest woman's strawweight fight uh, of all time and arguably the greatest woman's fight in general, period. It was a very close fight statistically. Um, Whaley more than likely won based on the damage that she inflicted on uh, Joanna because at the end of that fight, Joanna walked out the cage looking like Megamind's long-lost sister. <gasps> Damn! <laughs> but when comparing the stats, they were very close, and Joanna even outlanded Whaley in total strikes in round two and five, whereas the other three rounds, they were exactly even in strikes. But one of the main things to look at, again, is, you know, that this is now going to be a three-round fight and not a five-round fight. Which is kind of stupid because they definitely could have made this a five-round fight like they made, um, you know, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler the other month um, when that was a co-main event. And um, I don't even think it was a co-main event. I think it was, um, you know, the third fight, you know, um, one of the last three fights on the main card. But yeah, I think they, they could have did that. They could have did the same thing that they did there with this fight and they should have. But all right, let's get into the numbers. So coming into the fight, Joanna will have a two-inch height advantage with her being 5'6 and Whaley being 5'4. Uh, Joanna will also have a two-inch reach advantage. Whaley is a stand-switch fighter and Joanna fights in orthodox. When it comes to strikes, which is both fighters' specialty, Joanna lands 6.3 significant strikes per minute with an accuracy of 48%, uh, while Whaley lands just under 5.5 significant strikes per minute with an accuracy of 45%. Joanna absorbs little over 3 significant strikes per minute with a 64% defense, and Whaley takes little over 4 significant strikes uh, per minute with a defense of 52%. When it comes to grappling, Whaley averages little under two takedowns per 15 minutes with a 31% accuracy, while Joanna doesn't even average half a takedown, so her accuracy of 62% doesn't really say much. But as for takedowns defended, Joanna has an 81% takedown defense and Whaley has a 60% takedown defense. And neither of them averages any submissions, well, damn near any submissions per fight. But going into how I think this will play out, uh, as we saw in the last three fights of um, each of them, Whaley has been the more active of the two. Uh, Joanna has not fought since that first fight back in uh, 2020. 
usually I would say a lot of time away from the cage, uh, you know, could be someone's downfall coming back from a long layoff. But after taking the damage that she did in that first fight, uh, you know, the two years off could kind of be a blessing in disguise. But also because her last fight was that barn burner and she took as much damage as she did, you know, coming into this fight, she could be a lot more cautious, uh, you know, of getting into a straight up brawl with Whaley, um, which again could honestly and probably would be the best thing for her. But yeah, if she can make Whaley chase her around the cage while popping the jab and, um, you know, keeping uh, Whaley on the outside all fight, then it could be in her favor. Uh, you know, with her, along with her jab, Joanna has a really, really nice and quick leg kick, uh, which she definitely should utilize to th uh, slow Whaley down because Whaley likes to bounce. She likes to bounce in her step. So leg kicks could definitely slow her down and take a lot, uh, a lot away from her planting power especially when she throws the um those hook power shots that she loves so much and being the longer fighter joanna should you know she should also use her teep kicks which she she has very nice teep kicks and just front kicks in general whether it be to the body or the face but yeah that would be perfect to keep whaley at distance uh, as for whaley though it's, it's pretty much the opposite uh whaley is at her best when she closes the distance and blitzes and you know has the um has the octagon control and uh, pressure going and when she closes the distance, uh, you know, and lands those power shots. Uh, we saw in her last fight with Rose, uh, you know, that her downfall was not giving Rose the distance and space, uh, you know, needed to throw that head kick that she didn't see coming like the first fight. Although it was very quick and uh, early in the fight of the, you know, the stoppage, uh, it didn't take long for the feel-out process to come to a straight-up halt. And, you know, she did much better in the second fight, which she did ultimately lose, but she definitely did a lot better. <laughs> But yeah, Whaley's best strike is the overhand power right, uh, the right hook also, which she landed all fight against Joanna uh, the first time they met. And she did that all just getting in the inside at perfect timing and, you know, accuracy. And I'm pretty sure the plan is to replicate that again this fight. But, you know, it'll all come down to how Joanna comes into this fight. You know, if she obliges into that kind of fight then this, that's what's going to happen. But I do think this is going to be a stand-up affair like um, the last fight, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be as intense, unfortunately. Um, it will 100% for sure not be a snooze fest like um, Esparza versus Rose the other, the other month. Let's hope. But I don't believe that it will. It'll be a fight like that. I don't. But I also don't believe it'll be a fight of the year contender or a fight of the year like the first one was. With this being a three-round fight, though, the output of each fighter could very well be, uh, you know, very high. But I just, you know, I just feel like the level of respect that they have for each other is, you know, definitely going to be there after that first fight. And um, you know, it just, I don't think it'll turn into a brawl like how the first one did. And although both fighters do have submission victories on their record, more so Whaley with seven and Joanna just having one, I literally doubt either of them will be going for any takedowns this fight and they're just going to be kickboxing pretty much. Maybe maybe some clinch fighting here and there, but I, I think it's just going to be a, a nice old kickboxing match. But honestly, if there is any takedowns happening, I, I could see it coming from Whaley. But I've said shit like that before. And so don't be surprised if Joanna gets a takedown. But um, as for my prediction, though, I'm going with Joanna by decision. I know. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight no matter what. And both fighters is going to have their moments. 
But um, just like the last fight, I think this goes to decision in a very close back-and-forth fight. But I just see Joanna out striking Whaley and staying out of the way of big shots, unlike last time, and just do enough to, you know, win the judges' scorecards. Now, again, two years off, two years off, so who knows what kind of mentality she's coming back with. But um, seeing her recent interviews, she seems good to go. Uh, but she's a smart fighter. I know, I know she knows how she has to fight. And, um, you know, it all, it all comes down to that. But uh, after Rose versus Esparza the other month, you know, both of these two want to put on a great show, um, you know, to get the next title shot against Esparza. So, you know, and Esparza is the one that Joanna defeated when uh, Joanna first got the title. But, um, you know, regardless, let's just hope for a great fight. But yeah, I'm going with Joanna by decision on this one. All right, going into the co-main event, which is the women's flyweight title bout between Valentina Shevchenko, the champ, taking on Talia Santos. But uh, going into their last three fights, starting with Talia Santos, her last fight was against Joanne Wood, which she won by submission with a rear naked choke in round one, and that was in November 2021. Before that, she fought Roxanne Mataferi, uh, which she won by unanimous decision in September 2021. And before that, she fought Jillian Robertson, which she won by unanimous decision in December 2020. As for Valentina Shevchenko, her last fight was against Lauren Murphy, which she won by TKO with elbows in round four. Uh, that was in September 2021. Uh, before that, she fought Jessica Andrade, which she won by TKO also with elbows, uh, this time in round two in April 2021. And before that, she fought Jennifer Maya, which she won by uh, unanimous decision, and that was in November 2020. All of those, obviously, title defenses. But, alrighty, so going into the numbers and stats, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a little breakdown and prediction, but it's probably not going to be too long because I'm pretty sure a majority of all of us have the same uh, prediction and outcome of this fight besides Talia's family and friends. Sorry, Talia. But yeah, regardless, let's get into the numbers. So coming into this fight, Talia will have a one inch height advantage with her being 5'6 and Valentina being 5'5 and will also have the two inch reach advantage. Valentina fights in Southpaw and Talia fights in Orthodox. Uh, when it comes to significant strikes, Talia lands about 3.7 strikes per minute uh, with a 50% accuracy and Valentina lands about 3.2 per minute with an accuracy of 52%. As for strikes absorbed, Talia takes about 2.2 significant strikes per minute with a defense of 63%, and Valentina takes about 1.9 per minute with a defense of 64%. In the grappling department, Talia averages just under 2.5 takedowns per 15 minutes with an accuracy of 86% of them being successful, and has an 88% takedown defense. Valentina, on the other hand, averages about 2.6 takedowns per 15 minutes, with an accuracy of 64% of them being completed, and has a 77% takedown defense. As for submission attempts, Talia averages just over 1 per 15 minutes, and Valentina averages just under half a submission attempt per 15 minutes. And for those who uh, may be confused with those numbers, um, since Valentina has a bunch of submissions on her record, um, these numbers are just UFC career stats. I believe Valentina has just one um, submission in her UFC career. But yeah, so going straight into it, going right into my prediction, as I said earlier, you know, I'm not going to go way too far into this, um, as a lot of our predictions, I'm sure, are the same. 
Uh, to keep it pretty simple, the only way I see Talia winning this fight is, you know, if she uses her size advantage, of course, and just be a complete bully and, you know, try to wrap Valentina up for most of the fight and, you know, just not give her a chance to strike on the outside. Talia is bigger, but, you know, of course, that will also mean she will be slower. And Valentina is an amazing counter striker where she will throw two, three strikes after dodging one shot from her opponent. Um, and she will definitely have the speed advantage here. If Talia tries to just strike with her all night, then she will just get countered and battered all fight. As stated before, uh, Talia has an 88% takedown accuracy and should look to implement that here if she looks to, you know, stand a chance, honestly. If you watch the uh, Valentina versus Jennifer Maya fight, uh, we actually saw Maya win round two um by getting the takedown and controlling the fight on the ground for a lot of that round but she did proceed to lose every other moment of that fight um talia she she needs to do the same thing here pretty much and uh, do it every single round um easier said than done valentina is you know arguably the female goats and for good reason but as for valentina um you know, she just needs to be herself is you know is not much to say to break down what I think she needs to do. Um, you know, just strike from the outside, pick and pop her shots every minute and every moment she sees an opening in that fight. And just keep Talia, um, you know, chasing. Combos after combos. And wouldn't honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if she even finishes a couple combos with a takedown attempt herself. Um, unless she can get control of the situation right after the takedown and get in a crucifix position that she loves. Um, then she could definitely end this by TKO like she has in her last couple fights. But honestly, I don't know if I could see her holding Talia down, uh, you know, with Talia's size. I don't see, I can't see uh, Valentina holding her down for that long. And, Val and uh, Talia also has a very good takedown defense. So as for my prediction, though, obviously, um, I just see Valentina having another easy night in the office. A lot of people, including myself, uh, like to compare Talia to Amanda Nunes just based on build and size. What you talking about, <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, obviously not based off skill set or you know greatness, championship caliber, um, you know, but just similar to uh, you know just her build. So I kind of see this fight being uh, pretty similar to uh, Valentina versus Nunes too. Uh, just with Valentina doing much better and having a lot more offense here. And, um, you know, just doing much better and obviously getting the win. Because she did not win the uh, that second fight with Nunez, even though I think she did. Of course, anything can happen in the fight game. Um, and Valentina definitely could get clipped like the best of them. Um, I just think that Valentina's focus and motivation to stay on top of her game will outweigh anything Talia brings to the table, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately for her, at least. But yeah, so I'm going with uh, Valentina by decision. But in all honesty, don't be surprised if Valentina pulls off a sneaky armbar or something. Um, I would not be surprised there. Kind of like she did um, against the now champion, Juliana Pena. She's very sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Alrighty, going into the main event, which is the light heavyweight championship bout between Glover Teixeira, the champ, taking on Jerry Prohaska. Um, as I said in the beginning of this video, Glover is our hometown guy. He's pretty much our hometown Rocky. So, you know damn right I'm going to be very biased with, uh, with my pick and um, how I want this to play out. But at the same time, I'm also going to be 
realistic also. But um definitely gonna be biased right now. But yeah, so I didn't really I didn't take uh notes of the actual um uh, breakdown I have the uh, notes of the numbers so I'm, I'm gonna go through that and then I'm just gonna go off the top of the head and talk about how I what I think Glover has to do and um, what I think Yuri has to do and obviously who I think is gonna win or who I want to win regardless let's get into the numbers you know as we know Glover is in his 40s and he got the championship belt uh, in his last outing again, uh, when he took it from Jan Blakowicz, uh, which he submitted in round two in Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, Jiri, on the other hand, is younger than me. <laughs> he was born in 1992. Damn. Now I feel old as hell. Well, I mean, that ain't, that ain't that big of a difference for me, but it still makes me feel old. <laughs> But yeah, if you've seen my uh, one of my videos uh, in the channel, if you go through my videos, you'll see the reaction of me and all the boys when uh, Glover won the championship. We bugged out. Matter of fact, I'll just play it right now. It's my video. So yeah, even for that fight, I was insanely nervous. I'm so much more nervous for this one. <laughs> That's needless to say, because this matchup is scary. All right, let's get into their last three wins, though, really quick. Uh, starting with Glover. His last win was when he be uh, beat Jan Blakowicz for the title. Uh, I do not have the date for that. Like I said, I didn't take those kinds of notes for this fight. But, um... Yeah, he beats Jan Blakowicz by submission in that fight uh, in round two. Uh, before that, he fought Thiago Santos, which he beat by submission also. And before that, he beat Anthony Smith. Beat the shit out of Anthony Smith. And as for Jiri, um, he's only had two fights in the UFC. So he's, you know, storming onto heat. Well, not storming. He's already stormed onto the scene. Uh, title shot right after two fights. But his last fight was against Dominic Reyes, which he obliterated with a spinning back elbow. And uh, before that, he beat uh, Volkan Uzdemir, and he won that also by knockout. Devastating knockout. Alright, let's get into the numbers. Yeah, uh, Jan. Jerry is coming in with a 1-inch height advantage, and he is also coming in with a 4-inch reach advantage. That's scary. Right, let's get into the striking numbers. Glover lands just over 3.7 significant strikes per minute with an accuracy of 48%. And Jerry lands just over 7 significant strikes per minute with a 52% accuracy. When it comes to strikes absorbed, Glover absorbs 3.8 strikes per minute. Uh, significant strikes per minute with a defense of 54%. And Jerry absorbs 6.8 significant strikes per minute. And watch with uh, defense of 48%. That 6.8 could mean something. Hopefully. When it comes to the grappling department, uh, Glover averages 2.1 takedowns uh, every 15 minutes. And Yuri just averages just under one. I believe he only he's only gotten one takedown anyways uh, in two fights. 
um glover has a takedown accuracy of 39 percent and jerry has a, a takedown accuracy of 100 percent i guess that one takedown he got on reyes was the only one he's ever shot <laughs> Uh, as for takedown defense, Glover has a 60% takedown defense, and Jerry has a 50% takedown defense. And as for submissions averaged in 15 minutes, Glover averages just one, uh, just over one in 15 minutes, and Jerry averages zero. But, alright, so let's go into the, uh, the breakdown and prediction, I guess. So, obviously, like I said, Glover is our hometown guy. He uh, was a former coach of mine when I trained at ATT in uh, Danbury here. Uh, that's where he was training. And at one point, he was considered a head coach. And there was a lot of nights where he taught the class. So, yeah, that you know, I like to consider him a former coach. And, yeah, he's just a great dude overall. Great dude. Does a lot for the community. And, uh, you know, he definitely just, he, he, he deserves getting that title. But um, with that being said, what I think Glover needs to do is pretty obvious. Uh, you know, Yuri is a very unpredictable and super unorthodox fighter, even though, you know, he fights in orthodox stance. Um, he's very unpredictable, and he just, you can just tell just with his stance. Straight out of a kung fu movie, and it, it, it works. But the problem with that is his hands are down, and you know what I mean? all of that all that kung fu shit glover has to fucking throw all that shit out the window you know what i mean and um so glover pretty much has to fight this fight exactly how he fought um kind of like how he fought jan kuchibala um except for you know the beginning where he got into a straight up fucking striking match and even when he fought jan this last fight he, uh, you know i mean granted jan is also up there in age as well so Glover catching Jan, it's, it's, that was, you know, it was pretty likely, I guess you could say. Um, either of them catching each other, obviously. But Jan just looked a, a, a step behind that whole fight regardless, and Glover capitalized. But um, yeah, Yuri, like I said, he, dude's young, younger than me. So he's, he's got a lot of energy, and he's has this very jittery movement. Um, like I said, straight out of a fucking movie and Glover is, you know, I mean, when it comes to his striking, he's a boxer, you know, uh, when it comes to his hands, he's just a straight-up boxer, um, he'll throw a head kick here and there, but more so, he works with his hands, but with this fight, man, Yuri coming in with a, you know, four-inch reach advantage, one-inch height advantage, uh, you know, he's, he's gonna look to throw that spinning shit, he's gonna look to throw that crazy shit, you know, uh, Glover has to just straight up get in his face. You know what? Not even get in his face. Get in his fucking belly button and shoot for takedowns as much as he can. Get that fight to the ground and grind that shit out straight up. Um, he, he, I really, really, really hope he doesn't go in there and the first even minute of the fight that he goes striking. If he strikes, throw two shoot for the takedown right away take him down push him up against the fence grind him out whatever do what you gotta do but do not stand and trade with him <laughs> this is supposed to be a breakdown but is it's like i said is about to be very biased up in here but um yuri on the other hand uh, obviously if he wins this fight is 
it's not going to be by no damn decision. Um, it'll be by another devastating knockout, probably with a fucking spinning elbow or spinning kick or, you know, something fucking ridiculous. Probably a fucking up kick. Probably a fucking up kick. But, you know, you already know who I'm going with. You know who I'm riding with. Danbury, 203 stand up. We're going with Glover. But um, may the best man win regardless. I'm a fan of Yuri. You can't not be a fan. Dude is interesting as hell. But um, yeah, regardless. Yeah, I'm going with Glover either by a submission or by a dominant uh, decision win. Grind him out all fight. Make it boring. Fuck it. Fuck it. But yeah, if uh, Jerry wins, it'll be by a devastating knockout. But regardless, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Hope you guys enjoyed the breakdown. I will see you guys with the next one. Uh, this was Nobby Podcast. I am your host, Sonny Nobby. Uh, peace. Yo, yo.